Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to have you with us. Before I dive into the sermon today, I want to invite uh, some of our folks. Is it just Tess? Come on. So Tess is coming up. We are launching out. We, so we've done Alpha. Three, this is our third season of doing Alpha here at the Valley. And I've been praying for a couple years that Alpha would go outside the walls of this church. And specifically, I've been praying that we could start an Alpha in, in the jail, in the prisons. And so, um, I don't know, a few months ago, Marty, uh, who had gone through Alpha, came up to me and said, hey, if there's anyone else that wants to come alongside of me, because I don't want to just do it solo, but if there's anyone else come alongside of me, I'd like to take Alpha into the local prison. So we started putting the word out, and God just does what God does, and I think we have six people. I think there's, so there's, so Tess, so we're going to, not only are we going to take Alpha to the men's side, but also the women's side, so Tess and Cassie are going to do that with the women. And then we have four or five men and some were here first service and they couldn't just be here second. Or of course the snow kept others away. But I said, excuse me, <coughs> I want to pray over them. I want to have a time of praying over today. Um, Rachel Wells, I think she's joining us online. She couldn't make it in today, but she is, uh, works in Sydney at a place of where people coming out of prison, kind of making that adjustment back in the, into, into the society for like a better term. Um, she has already started alpha with them. She had two alpha sessions this past week with them. And so I want us to pray now for our leaders. And I want to say thank you, Tess, for, for doing this and the courage to do this, but also uh, for the, the um, individuals who are going to hear about Jesus, who are going to hear about purpose and about meaning. And I have no doubt in my mind, God's fingerprints are all over this, how he's orchestrated things, how fast things have happened, the favor we've gotten in the different uh, institutions and organizations. Uh, I also would ask, I don't want to just be praying for this by myself. Um, and so if any of you would want to come alongside and specifically be praying for the Alpha going in to these institutions, on the back of that connection card, just mark Alpha Prayer, and you can drop it in a joy box or check mark prayer and put Alpha next to it. Same with you online. If you're online and want to pray, Pray with our out for our folks taking this into the into the penitentiary or into the local prison. Um, we want you praying alongside of us too. So, I want to pray right now for Tess and for the others. Um, we're going to close our eyes. If you want to join, one of the, one of the cool things of way to just pray in agreement with. If you want to stretch your arm out like you're you know praying with us and with her, go for that. If you're not comfortable doing that, you don't have to do that. But we're going to just do that now. So, would you close your eyes with me? And we're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for Tess, I pray for Marty, and for Mark, and Cassie, and Jean, and Jack, and, and others who are going into the prayer. I pray that you would just give them wisdom and discernment, that your spirit would be so, so palpable in their own lives, that those they're ministering to would just see you. They would see you. And we ask that you would just go before us, that your provenient graces, we know you're working in each of those individual lives already, whether they want you to or not, whether they're aware of it or not, you are there and you've been speaking to them and you've been working all kinds of things for this moment and for this time. So Father, would you just soften their hearts? Would you renew their minds? Would you give them such an openness to hear from you, to receive you, that you would break down the walls maybe of anger or hostility, hurt, 
all, whatever it is that's keeping them from accepting your son. Father, we know that you're going before us on this. You have answered this prayer in so many ways already. And so we just trust this. We just trust you. We lay it at your feet. And we ask you to do whatever you want to do in and through us. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in just thanking Tess and those others? I want uh, one other thing to celebrate. Uh, I don't know, the sermon might be the downer after all this, but um, one other thing to celebrate is on every Christmas Eve, we uh, at our campuses receive an offering that Christmas Eve, or pretty much the whole month of December. And 100% of what's received goes out because we want to be a church that doesn't sing and talk about the things of Jesus. We want to be a church that does the things Jesus told us to do. And that means we help those who are hurting. We don't just pray about it. We actually do some stuff. So I just want to celebrate that in this year through the Valley Church campuses, we brought in, and throw it on the screen for me, please. Yep, $40,000. Yeah, big yay, God. Big yay, God. That's going to be divided three ways with uh, Partners Hood Hope here in Troy, and then uh, Piqua Compassionate Network and, and Piqua, and then a, a, another organization that slipped my mind at the moment, but in Shelby County, because we're going to Sydney here as the Valley Church in September. And so here's, I just wanted to, to just on behalf of Jess, my wife and I and our staff, just say thank you. Thank you for being a church that's so generous. If you're new to the Valley, you are amongst some of the most kind and generous people I've ever met in my life. That's just with their time, with your gifting and your talents, with your, the finances God's given you. So I just want to say a heartfelt thank you. What a blessing. I'm blessed every day to be part of this church uh, because of just how much you love people. And be praying. It's not about the money or the number. It's about how that's going to be used to impact lives for eternity through these agencies in our, in our communities that are doing a wonderful work. So be praying that the God of multiplication takes that and uses it in ways that we can never imagine and that the lives are transformed, that we probably will never hear the stories this side of heaven, but there's a lot of stories, I think, waiting for us all someday. So again, just thank you. We are in this series called Resolve. It is our um, January series. It's from the book of Daniel. And so we've been moving through Daniel. We're going to continue that movement today. I don't know about you, but man, is it, there are a lot of messages and voices that compete in this world. Every day, I'm bombarded with text messages or phone calls or emails, Facebook messages, Instagram, advertisements. I mean, here, I mean, we have so many things speaking to us, so many voices to hear from, so many different things that are just bombarding us. I think the voice that we all need to hear the most is the one that can be crowded out the most, and that's the voice of God. See, I don't know what all is going on in each of our lives or your lives, or you don't know what all is going on in mine, but I have a suspicion that whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you've thought about it or not, that you need to hear from God today, this week, about something in your life. Whether it be direction, whether it be some wisdom you need, whether it be a decision, whether it be something in your past that you don't know if he's ever forgiven you. You want to hear him say that. Maybe it's something current that you need to see him say. Maybe it's hope you need. Maybe it's encouragement you need. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it is, I don't know what it is, but you need to hear something from him. 
And the reality is there's so many other things in our lives. There's so much other clutter. There's so many other distractions. There's so much other input going on that we can miss hearing from the one we need to hear from the most. See, the reality is this. We need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. And the beauty is that God is not silent. God is not distant. God is not abstract. God is not aloof. God is not on vacation. God does not say, do not disturb. God does not say, I'm closed. God is always there and he's always wanting to speak to you. He's always wanting to speak to me, but we sometimes just don't know where to start. We don't know what that looks like. How do I pray? What is prayer? Why is prayer important? How can it change my life? How does, God, how does this really work? And so that's what I want to address today. I want to look at the power of prayer. Each week of this, we've looked at the power of something through the concept of resolve and through the life of Daniel. And so what is the power of prayer? How do, we, how do we learn how to pray? Why can prayer change things? How does prayer change things? And where do we start with all this? Because the good news is this. Sometimes I, don't, I leave the good news towards the end. I kind of, you know, create a lot of tension. Or, and then I want to give you the good news early today, and then we'll go from there. Here's the good news. God speaks and he wants to speak to you. God speaks and he wants to speak to you. Why? Because you matter more than you could ever imagine because the creator of the universe, the CEO of the universe, the general manager of the universe is crazy about you. Is that not wild to think about? Because there's a lot of days that I'm not crazy about me because I know me. And I know my failures. I know my limitations. I know my weaknesses. I know the things I should do, right? It's like Paul in Romans 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, I do, right? I mean, we live in this dichotomy that's going on all the time. But yet God is crazy about us. And he wants to speak to us. And he wants us to talk to him. And he wants a relationship. He wants a conversation. He wants to reveal things to us that you and I can never think on your own. He has a purpose and a, a meaning for your life more than you and I could ever ever dream up in our wildest dreams. And so we're going to pick up today in Daniel chapter 9. See, the thing about Daniel is Daniel was a man of prayer. His whole life was marked by prayer. You see it over and over and over again. And so when we started this series, we looked at Daniel. Daniel was about a 15 to 17 year old teenager. He was living in Judah, the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom. Israel had already been taken into captivity about 700 years before Jesus by, by the Ninevites, okay? Or by the Assyrians, excuse me, by the Assyrians. And then the southern kingdom had been rebelling against God, continuing in sin. Then they would repent. Then they would sin again. And God kept warning them, if you, keep, if you don't obey me, if you don't make me number one, there will be consequences. You will be taken in exile and captivity. Eventually it happened. God, another nation rose up by the name of Babylon, by the leader Nebuchadnezzar. He came in, he took Daniel and his friends, he took the best, he took the brightest, he took the youngest, he took them first of all, and he enrolled them in what I like to call Babylon University. A three-year course of deprogramming or reprogramming and deconstruction. <laughs> we think deconstruction's a new term. It's been going on a long time, okay? And what he wanted to do was he wanted to teach them the new language so they forget their old. He wanted to show, teach them about these gods in Babylon so they would forget the gods that they served. Every, the food, everything, he wanted to change everything they believed and everything they, they processed into this new way of life. And Daniel resolved that he was not going to move away from his God. 
that his God that he had served and his ancestors had served and the one that he knew personally because of his prayer life and because of the time reading this scripture and he had seen work in his life in all kinds of ways, he was not going to leave him. And he had decided internally because it always starts internal before it goes to external, doesn't it? You say that with me. It always starts internal before it goes to external. God has to do a work within us before he can do a work through us. He's got to do something in our heart before our heart can do something for other people. And so Daniel's been going through this. And so it started when he was a teenager. And then Cindy talked about last week where he was 80 years old. And he has this choice to um, follow through or not follow through. And he follows through with following after God. He has perse- uh, persevered. He has determined that he is going to serve God no matter what. And today we pick up in chapter nine. I'm not going to have it on the screen because you know me. If you know me at all, I like to have Bibles in hands. I like to have phones in hands that have Bibles on the hands. Or you can just listen along with me. But we're going to be in, in Daniel chapter nine. So I did not, I forgot. Okay, page, page is 728. So if you want to grab the Bible in your row, 728. If you're with us online, you can follow along. Here we go. It says in verse one, I'm going to read 18 verses, but it, 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 there's a lot to unpack here. It says, in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God, And I confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God. Not a bad way to start your prayers, by the way. Remembers who's in charge and who's not. But anyhow, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands? We have sinned. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and we have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous. But this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. This is someone who knew his God, by the way. There's something intimate about this. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through the servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made your, yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned and we have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and, our, and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, O God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant, For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on the desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear and open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. 
We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Here's what's fascinating. Here's some context. So Daniel somehow took the Bible with him when he was yanked out of captivity, into captivity. Now, back then, they didn't have the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. Well, I put it this way. They didn't have a New Testament back then. So they didn't call what they had the Old Testament because it makes no sense to call something old if you don't have something new, right? You with me? And so they didn't have the Bibles like we have now. They more than likely probably had iPhones that they had. That's my bad attempt at humor. They didn't have iPhones with the Bible app on it, okay? It's just too much for you sometimes, isn't it? My wife says it every day, so lucky you. You only get one day a week, one hour a week. Um, they would have had on scrolls, and they called it the Law and the Prophets. So anytime in the Bible when you talk, especially you read in the Old Testament about the Law and Prophets, or Jesus talks about the Law and Prophets, he's talking about the Old Testament. And it would have been written on scrolls, and you roll up the scrolls. Somehow, more likely, Daniel took that with him to, uh, in exile to Babylon because he's not walking away from God's Word because he feels lost without it. He needs it so bad that he has to have it, and that should be something we have to consider for ourselves. But one day, one day he's reading from the book of Jeremiah. That's what it says there at the beginning. He's reading, he opens up the scroll, he turns to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, the prophet, and he reads that says they're going to be in captivity for 70 years. There's going to be a new king who comes up, and it's going to be from the, the Persian Mede Empire. And as he's reading this, he's no dummy, and he's like, ooh, okay. That's why it started out by naming Darius. Darius, and this is a history thing. This is historical. You don't have to believe the Bible or anything in the Bible. This is just pure history. It's pure fact that the Medes and the Persians defeated the Babylonians. Go read your history books. It always happened. It's never going to change. The Medes and the Persians defeated the Babylonians. The Roman Empire defeated the Medes and Persians. That's how it worked. Darius is now king. So he adds that. He's like, okay, Babylonians are out. And he starts doing the math in his head of how long he's been in exile. And he sees we're getting really close to 70 years. And that stirred him up. He realizes that in a very short amount of time that Darius is going to allow the people, the exiles, now it's another generation. It's been 70 years, so people have died, but a whole new group have been born. He's going to allow them to go back to Jerusalem, to go back to the holy city, the holy city, the, the light on the hill, as, as scripture says. He's going to allow them to go back home where they can rebuild the temple, where they can rebuild the walls. That's the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, okay? And they can do all that. And here's what's fascinating. Here's where it starts to move into what's this mean for me? How's this affect my life? Daniel starts to pray. You notice the rhythm of his prayer. You notice the sequence of his prayer. He didn't pray and say, God, would you do this? God, would you do this? God, would you make this happen? His prayer was a prayer of confession. Maybe not even stuff that he did, because, but he was so in tune with God's holiness and how he was so not holy like God that he confessed for himself and he confessed for the sins of his people and for his nation. And he said, God, we didn't get it before, God. And that's why we're in the situation we are. And God, would you please break our hearts to follow after you and to, to bring justice and to, and to heal and to fix the oppression and, and, and to follow after you with everything and follow all your commands. May we not miss it this time. Please forgive us. Please take the hardened hearts that we might have and would you soften them? So that when this time comes, that we will go back and we will serve after you. Because Daniel knew people. 
He understood people. He understood his culture. Because actually what's fascinating is they did get a chance to go back. The prophecy was fulfilled as all prophecies always are in scripture. It's one way we can believe the Bible. That's true. And that they had a chance to go back. Every single one of them could go back. And believe it or not, only 2.5% of them actually returned home. They're living in a foreign land. They're living away from everything that they had known. They're living outside of the realm of, of, of where God's presence is manifested. And yet they chose to stay where they are because they got comfortable instead of going back and serving God and making a difference. Daniel knew, he knew the human heart. And it hasn't changed a lot. And so this prayer, when I read this, when I read this prayer, and I read the power behind this prayer, one of the things I discover is when we pray what God wants, God can answer that. See, we got to pray. Do we, do we, when we pray, do we ask God what he wants or do we just start listing things off? Because I do. I say, okay, God, I need, would you do this? And God, would you do this? And God, can you answer this? God, can you provide this? God, would you do this? And he's a really good dad and he doesn't kick my butt for doing it. Because he is a really good dad. But you know what? What he really wants us to do is to intercede. This, see, this is a prayer of intercession. I don't know if you ever heard about praying or prayers of intercession, but praying, praying of intercession is praying how the Holy Spirit directs us. And then we are interceding on behalf of other people. We're not just praying for ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with praying for ourselves. But if that's where it stops, then that's problematic because there's a lot of people hurting around us. And the question is, when's the last time you prayed prayer of intercession that was led by God speaking those words to you? See, I think one of the best things we can do before we pray is actually to ask God and quiet our minds, get all the different voices out of our head, the text messages that need answered and the emails that need responded to and the Facebook messenger things that have been sitting in the inbox for a while. And what we need to do is we need to quiet ourselves and we need to still ourselves, which is really hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's against everything in our culture. And we need to ask God to start speaking to us. And we need to start listening because there's nothing more powerful than praying prayers that come from God himself. Amen. Think about that. So often I think we're taught to pray by just praying. You just start talking to God. You just start talking to God. You just start talking to God. And I'm here to say that's not like it's heresy, but I'm saying that's actually not how we should pray. We should start listening and listen and then pray out of that. Now look what happens then. As this, look how in verse 19, look what it says. It says, Lord, listen. <laughs> after he intercedes, after his heart is so broken, he's so desperately wants to see these people fall. He said, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. I'm here to tell you today, folks, I don't understand how prayer works totally. I really don't. I don't understand why some prayers are answered and other prayers aren't. I'm just going to be straight up with you. I don't. But I do know this about prayer, and I know this about God's character, that God will always respond. God will always respond when we go to him. I don't, you might not get the answer you want. You might not get it in the timing you want, because I don't. But he will always respond. I've been praying for two years, church, about Alpha going to prison, that we have to somehow get this stuff and we got to go to those who are hurting. We got to go to those who are broken. We got to go, we got to literally set the captives free. 
And then one day, Marty comes up, because Marty listens to the Holy Spirit. And Marty said to me after church, he said, hey, I'm good with taking Alpha to a prison. I didn't talk to Marty about it or anything. He's like, I'm, I'm good to talk. And I said, okay, I like where this is going. I could even backtrack how Alpha even got going. God said, we got to start Alpha. Like, I'm just listening and listening and saying, God, I just want to see people's change. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see this community. I want to see healing happen. God, because here's the reality, church. We are only one generation away from being a non-Christian nation. And I don't know if you've looked lately, but we're getting really close to that happening. But yet God, Jesus says, you build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And last time I looked, gates are not an offensive weapon. They're something you can break down, you can kick down, but you don't just sit there and look at them and they don't fall over. You got to go on action. You gotta, you gotta, and it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Prayer is the greatest weapon we have. I firmly believe that. The power, because the, the, the source that we're going to, it's not the prayer itself, it's the source we're going to will rock and change this world. And guess what? He's just looking for people who are saying, I'm ready to do this. Sign me up. And so Matt and Stephanie, one Sunday came up and said, hey, we want to start it out. We think we're supposed to start an alpha at your house. I said, well, how big do you, I think you're, I like to expand how big your house is. <laughs> How about the house here where we can see? You know, and of course, they said they prayed about it and they said, yes. Acts of obedience. Another person just saying yes. This isn't rocket science, church. Another person saying yes. Another person saying yes. Cassie wasn't here. She, it was, they have young kids, so they were at first service. She, she felt led as a teenager to go into prison ministry. And she's like, how am I as a teenage girl ever going to go into prison ministry? And then she gets older and she's like, how am I ever as a 25-year-old young lady going to go into prison ministry? And then one day, a couple weeks ago, I'm talking about Alpha going into jail. And then she said, I elbowed my husband next to me, right? How many of those get, you get some of those during church sometimes. And um, she said, this is it. Then she's by herself. What should she do? Then Tess says, I feel called to do this. And Tess says, a story of incredible redemption. Amen. Okay. And now that I, I was talking to Cassie the other day, I'm like, man, you guys are going to be a power couple. A power. I mean, the, t the team there between Tess and her story and Cassie's passion. I mean, there's going to be some lives changed through the power of prayer, through listening to what the Holy Spirit says. The other thing I've learned about prayer is that God, he's such a good dad. He speaks to us about the big stuff. Anyone, you don't have to raise your hand, but anyone got some big stuff going on in life? Big, big stuff. Life's complicated, isn't it, at times? Sometimes we complicate it because we've made stupid decisions. But sometimes life just is complicated. Marriage is complicated. Finances are complicated. Raising children's complicated. Figuring out the future's complicated. Work can be complicated. The list goes on and on. God, did you know God wants to speak to you about the big stuff in your life? Like the big stuff in your life matters. Who you marry, how to spend your money, what school to attend, what career should you follow, how to handle problems going on in your life. You have a troubled child, a, a kid that you don't think, how's this going to work? He wants to speak to you about that, what to do with your hurts and hangups. He wants to speak to you about that. The big stuff in your life matters to him because he's crazy about you. I've been wrestling for a while 
with what's the next steps of the Valley Church in the sense like, I know our vision is to multiply. And God's ascending God. God is a God by his nature who's mission. So we're going to raise up leaders. We're going to send people out. I believe every community needs a church that's reaching lost people. I believe every community needs a church that's reaching the next generation. And so I knew that. But I'm, I'm, I'm in this wrestling of saying, okay, we have two more years left on this lease. And how do we juggle that financially? And then we do have the first right of refusal in year six through 10, but the numbers get a little higher because, you know, that's just how leases go. And I'm just, and I don't know, I tell people all the time, like how our vision and everything, I feel like I'm playing, I don't know how to play chess, but I feel like I'm playing chess a lot versus checkers because I feel like I got to be 10 steps down the road, actually probably 25 or 30. And I don't know what to do a lot of times, just to be honest, right? I know what our mission is. I know what I, I know we want to reach lost people. I know we want to see families transformed, but sometimes I just don't know the next step. And this is where I felt really trapped. And I kept telling people, well, you know, the only way we're going to be able to get a building is if God gifts us the land and if God gifts us the foundation. I'm just like, I don't know, because there's just different strategies you have to take when you're looking to be a multi-site versus a single cell. And I was in a training this past week for church planters, and someone shared this story. He said their church was growing a lot, and he said there was, they needed a bigger facility. And he said there was this uh, building that was a beautiful facility, and it was about a $2 million facility but it was up for auction. They were going to do this auction where you literally wrote a paper bid. You took it to the auction that night. You submitted the bid to the person leading the auction, who was the overseer of the estate, if you will, the property. They were going to read and they were going to decide in real time which offer they would accept. And so he goes back to his church and he he says, hey, I, I think this could be something to lean into. We just need to be able to present how much money we could raise. So that Sunday, he, he has them fill out a pledge card, like on the spot, how much would you pledge? They're not contributing anything in the moment. How much you, and he gets $72,000 pledged for a $2 million building. So he goes, this is a true story. He goes that night, he said, I was so embarrassed by the pledge, by how much I was going to offer. He said, I dropped off the pledge. He goes, I wasn't going to sit there and have it read out loud. So he goes, I went home. <laughs> and then and he, and he shares the story. He said, uh, the lady's up front, just like I am, and she takes these um, different pledges. They're all different amounts, but one, she opens up one as a school. Uh, it's a school district. They, this building would be perfect for their school, and their pledge was a quarter million dollars. And then a hospital had made an offer, um, and that was over half a million dollars. And, and he got to know the lady who was running this auction, who was in charge of the estate, and, and uh, she tells him the story afterwards. She said, I opened up your pledge for $72,000. And she goes, I was insulted. <laughs> and she said, I didn't even, she goes, I just put it, I didn't even read it. She said, I closed it, I set it off to the side. And she said, in that moment, she felt like someone behind her was just coming and just shoving her. And then this is how God's voice works, his quiet, still voice. She said, she heard this voice in her ear, the voice of God say, that's the offer you accept. They got a $2 million building for $72,000. Okay. God has transformed my prayer life since Tuesday when I heard that story because I was praying small. I wasn't praying to the God who's of God who is the God of a thousand cattle and a thousand hills, the God who took nothing and created everything. God cared about the big stuff and he knows what I was wrestling with to bring that story across, to sharpen my faith, to expand my faith. Here's the other thing. God cares about the little stuff too in your life. He'll speak to you about that. He'll give you a nudge, maybe. I just go, when someone gives me a nudge of a name, I either shoot him a text or, or a message or something, or I start praying for him. God, God will speak to you about the small stuff, too. Now, I don't want you to think I'm an expert at this, because I don't get it right 
I get busy. I get distracted. I get all the other noises you get. Plus an eight and a six-year-old who never stopped making noise. I mean, right? Some of our lives are just noise, right? And just chaos and just, you know, we have to find the space to quiet ourselves. Find, here's the practical thing when it comes to prayer. You need to find a place. You need to find a consistent place. I would recommend you find a consistent time. I would also recommend maybe that time is first thing or early in the morning because we all know we can have good intentions, but then the day takes off. And by the time we get all settled in at night, it's 8.30, 9 o'clock, and the last, we just don't have anything left in the brainwaves. But God so desperately wants to talk. One of my prayers I ask God every day is this. I say, God, is there anything you want to say to me? That's all I say. God, is there anything you want to say to me today? And then I pray this. I say, God, I want to hear your voice. I need your wisdom on this. I need your insight. I just want to hear from you. And so I'm just letting you into my prayer life right now. I say, God, would you silence the voice of the enemy? Would you silence Satan's voice from any, anything he wants, any lies he wants to say? God, then would you silence my own thoughts? Because you know how it is when you quiet your mind for a while. It's amazing all the things. You remember the laundry that didn't come out of the dishwasher. Yeah, if it's in the dishwasher, you got a lot of problems. Maybe that's why I shouldn't be doing that. Okay. You remember the laundry that's still sitting in the dryer? You remember, you know, the the to-do list? Actually, I usually get my phone out and just jot all those. I put it in the notes section because then I get it out of my mind and I move on. But I just say, God, would you quiet the voice of the enemy and would you still my own voice? Because I just want to hear yours. And I think he's such a good dad. I think he's such a good heavenly father that he will answer that prayer. I just trust that he will. Why would he mess with me? And then I just pray. And then I just listen. And it's amazing how many times I get a nudge. Now, I have learned this. It's very difficult to hear from God if you're not spending time in this. There's a very direct correlation. Times in my life when I'm immersed in Scripture, I'm hearing from Him a lot. Times when I allow busyness or just expedience of reading it fast or maybe not reading it all a day, that's when I don't hear as much. It's shocking, right? shouldn't be shocking because this is His Word. This is His voice. This is him revealing himself. And that's why in 2023, one of my biggest hearts as your pastor is that we would journey together in reading his word. And, and fasting wouldn't just be something we did for a week, but you would have some rhythm, maybe, maybe a meal per week or a day or whatever. And that prayer would be something, it would become a habit. That's why I love Daniel. Dan, Daniel is someone who I aspire because when you look at his life, it was a model of consistency right? It wasn't this moral failure and then recover from it and then this hiatus and then come back. The guy was just rock solid. I mean, after Jesus, I'd be honest, I mean, I look at Daniel, I'm like, man, this guy got it. Like he was so connected to the source. He so desperately just wanted to follow after God. There was a guy, he was an airport employee, airport employee. In fact, he was in charge of handing the bags. People would give him their luggage, and then he would put on the conveyor belt to go to the, uh, to the different airplanes. And then one day, this guy was just being a punk to him. This guy had given him his bags, and everything that this bag handler did was wrong. You handled it wrong. You, were too, you, you, you threw the bag too hard. You, you, you know, just constant criticism. Like, this guy was just a jerk. And after that jerk moved on, the guy behind him in line said to the airport employee, he said, how did you do it? 
He said, the whole time that guy's berating, you had a smile on your face. The whole time that guy's just mocking the job that you're doing, you said, yes, sir, yes, sir. How did you do it? How did you have the, the kindness to do that? And the, and the employee said, well, it was really easy. He said, you know, that guy was going to New York and I sent his bags to Tokyo. <laughs> we think the same way when it comes to prayer. That if we really start praying, if we start, really start listening to God, that he's going to ask you to move to some far off place where they haven't, you're off the grid. We think if we start praying, if we start listening to God, that you're going to become some religious fanatic. We think that if we start listening to God, he's just going to ruin your life. And honestly, that's not a bad theology of prayer. That's a horrible theology of who God is. Because God is not a cosmic killjoy. God is not looking to make your life miserable. In fact, all throughout Scripture and all throughout anyone who's experienced Him working in their lives, God is the total opposite. He wants to bring you fullness and completeness and wholeness and purpose and meaning. He's wired you in a certain way and He wants to use that in a way that will knock the socks off of you. The reality is that we have this, it's the lie of the enemy, honestly, that he's just going to mess up your life and he's going to take all the fun out of it and you're going to have no, and, and the, the truth of the matter is when you start listening to God, that's when it starts getting fun. When you allow God to start speaking, when you put your name at the, I tell people this all the time, what we need to do is just get a, a, a notebook paper. You could maybe do this. I've done this. I put dear God at the top. I leave it blank and then I sign my name at the bottom. When I give him the whole page and say, you fill it in as it goes, and I'm not going to grab it, I'm not going to write stuff in, guess what happens? He starts to work in my life in ways that I could have never imagined. I start having some more purpose and more meaning. Some of the most fruitful things in my life have been because the giver of all good gifts have given them to me when I've listened and he's told me what to do. That'd be my wife, that'd be my children, that'd be men. I mean, I'm talking the things like that are huge, that are awesome, amazing in my life. It's because I was listening to them. You might remember this as a kid at night, you'd, be, you'd have a nightmare. Laying in bed, you'd have a nightmare. And what do you do when you have a nightmare? You yell, mom, dad. Or maybe you were lost in the, in the supermarket. And all of a sudden that panic starts coming up, right? And you think they've, they've left you. And you yell, mom, dad. And in those instances, mom dad yells out, I'm here. Or you lost in the supermarket and you're like, mom, dad, and dad yells, I'm here. I'm just the next aisle over. And if you can remember those times, your level of anxiety went from 100 to zero like that. That's what it's like to interact with your heavenly father. Your anxiety might be at 100. Your fear might be at 100. Your uncertainty about the future might be at 100. But have you gotten to God about it? How's your prayer life? Are you hearing from him? Look at how this ends then in Daniel 9, uh, verses 20 to 23, as we conclude today. It says, while I was still speaking, while I was still speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, this is so cool, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he instructed me and he said, Daniel, you can fill in your name. I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Anyone need insight and understanding today? As soon 
This is good news. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. See, it starts with this. It's a great model of prayer. It starts with confession. Confession for your sin, confession maybe for the sin of culture, of what we're doing, what we're not doing. That's where it starts. And we're going to give you a chance to respond here in just a matter of moments. Is there something you need to confess today? Is there a sin in your life? Is there an issue that needs resolved? Maybe it's something as a culture of our lack of compassion for poor or for the orphan or for the widow and you, and you want to intercede. I want to then move in. This is the prayer of intercession. So after you confess, whether it be individually or corporately like Daniel did for a nation, now it comes down to interceding. Who do you need to intercede? I want us to all intercede for someone today. Do you need to intercede for a son or a daughter who's not following the Lord? Do you need to intercede for your, your own marriage? Do you need to intercede for a marriage of someone you know? Do you need to intercede for someone's health? Do you need to intercede for someone you know who's going through depression? Do you need to intercede for someone who's dealing with a lot of anxiety? Do you need to intercede with someone who's dealing with an addiction? Church, if we don't intercede, who will? If you don't intercede, you might be the prayer that changes their life forever. Not your prayer, but you praying and God acting and changing them. We have to start interceding for each other. Maybe during this time today, if you're a couple here and you have children, maybe you sit where you are, you grab hands, and you intercede on behalf of your children. Maybe you come up front. We have the prayer stations here. Maybe you come up front and you intercede on behalf of your children. One of the things Jess and I, our kids are eight and six, but we pray often that their hearts would become more and more tender for Jesus. And we pray already that they, for their future spouse. We pray already that they would be sold out for Jesus and that they would be looking for someone who's sold out just as much as they are and they would be a dynamic force to be reckoned with for God's kingdom. There's nothing better you can do as a parent intercede on behalf of your children. Maybe you do need to intercede on behalf of someone who's walking away from the Lord and their life is upset. Never underestimate the power of prayer. There have been cultures transformed by old ladies praying. There have been families. I'm a product of mom and grandma praying and praying and grandpa praying. I want to leave you with this. You might be only one prayer away from breakthrough. Don't stop. You might be one prayer away. There's so many passages in scripture about persistent prayer persistent prayer. Jesus talks about knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking on the doors of heaven. Don't stop. Don't give up. Because God wants to unleash his power in ways you can't even imagine. He wants to unleash his Holy Spirit in the lives of people, in the lives of our society, in the lives of culture beyond what you and I can ever dream up. And so we're going to have a chance to respond today. We're going to bring back a song we sang earlier. I love this one verse of the song. It says, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. I will make room. And so we're going to do that. If you're new with the Valley, a lot of services, we do give a chance to respond. You can respond anytime during the service, frankly. But it's a little more comfortable if everyone's maybe standing to do that. So we do that. But we have 
prayer stations here. We have communion here in the front. We have a station in the back. We receive an open communion here at the Valley. You don't have to be a member or a regular attender. If you, the only requirement is Jesus is that you're a follower of his. If you're not, why don't you confess and repent that today and accept him? We have a cross over here. If you just want to give something over, maybe it's a prayer or a family member or someone you're in intercede. The candles today, light a candle. Light a candle on who are you going to intercede? As a reminder, it, it's not magical about the lighting the candle, but it's that tangible thing. Sometimes tangible matters. Then I'm going to intercede for my son, for my daughter, for my wife, for this neighbor, for this coworker. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come and just flood this place. I pray that there would be a lot of listening happening, confession, repentance, intercession, and a whole lot of faith. That we can, the one we're praying for is the same one who rose Jesus from the grave. The one we are praying for now is the one who took nothing and created everything. That the big stuff in our life matters and the small stuff matters. And you want to speak to us because you are crazy about us. Father, I ask you would silence the voice of the enemy. I ask you would silence all the voices, all the thoughts that could come in our head. So in this moment, we would hear your voice. Would you speak to us? Would you meet each person wherever they are and show them something about you or something you want them to do? I pray that in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.